Well, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. We're glad that you're with us and hope that you're having a great day. We have been talking about the armor of God and being prepared for spiritual battle over the last week or so. We're looking at Ephesians 6 and we're looking at verses 10 through 18. We've talked about the importance of understanding this armor from the perspective that this armor really represents God and his life in us, Christ's life in us. That this is armor that is from God, it is to God, it is God himself. It's God opening up his storehouse of his own life and imparting to us aspects of his nature and character that we need from his, draw from his life in order to protect us as we wage a spiritual war against a supernatural and spiritual enemy in the supernatural and spiritual power of God. We know that this enemy has schemes. We know that this enemy is uh, working in harmony with powers, principalities, evil works of darkness, forces of darkness. We know that this is a serious war. It is unto death because the wrestling that Paul speaks of was a wrestling that resulted in the loser usually dying or getting his eyes gouged out or something terrible like that. I mean, it was a very serious thing. And we understand that the enemy that we wage war and that wages war against us takes this very seriously. Tragically, many believers do not take this war seriously. They do not take the reality of this war seriously. And the degree to which the enemy assaults and, and comes against us sometimes is furious. And many times believers are caught off guard because they don't realize the seriousness of the battle and the war. And that the enemy is very serious about it. So we need to be clothed and equipped with the armor of God's life in us. And as I said, we talked about the powers and the principalities that Paul spoke of that we are engaged in battle with the unseen forces of the darkness, of the satanic forces that come against us. Now, he says that he does not want us to be ignorant. He wants us to be very much aware of the schemes, the plots, the strategies, and the plans of the enemy. Now, in the context of the letter to the church at Ephesus, and I've mentioned this already in this past week, Paul talks a great deal about understanding one the unity now that exists between Jew and Gentile because of the new covenant, because the Gentiles have been brought in. We were once strangers to the covenants and the blessings and a relationship with God as Gentiles, but now we have been brought in. We have been made a part of the commonwealth of Israel, of the people of God. The barrier, the dividing wall has been taken down. Christ has taken the two, Jew and Gentile, and made them into one new man. That doesn't mean that we lose our distinctiveness as Gentiles or a Jew loses their distinctiveness as a Jew. They're still a Jew and they still practice you know, their Judaism from the standpoint of a way of life. Uh, they don't lose their distinctives in that respect. But we are one spiritually in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the enemy begins understanding this, this unity now that's existing in the body of Christ. Well, the enemy knows the power of that unity. He knows the power of that oneness, that when we are walking in union with God, 
and when we are walking in union with one another, that is the most powerful evangelistic weapon we have in our hands because Jesus himself prayed in John 17. I pray that they will be one, Father, just as you and I are one, so that the world may believe that you sent me. That is powerful. Therefore, if the most powerful evangelistic weapon we have, the most powerful testimony we have to the world is our unity with God and with one another and how that is lived out. And it's going to be lived out in deeds, things that we do for one another in service to one another, one another that the world is able to observe in the way we love one another if that is the most powerful tool we have as evangelistic weapon we have that's been given to us by God to win people to Christ, then the enemy's target is going to be to create division, to prevent unity. His desire is to wreak havoc. His desire is to destroy interpersonal relationships between brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. He wants to create division. He wants to foment unforgiveness. He wants to stir bitterness, dissension, discord, quarreling, fighting, factions. He wants to bring about situations and circumstances that will result ultimately in division and separation. And he has a number of tools, a number of weapons with which to do that. Look at how divided we are as believers in the world today. 30,000 some, they estimate, or more denominations. And in every one of the denominations, there's generally subgroups. I mean, my gosh, look at Baptists. You got Southern Baptists, American Baptists, regular Baptists, independent Baptists, free will Baptists, Seventh-day Baptists. Uh, you have uh, oh, just a plethora of Baptists just alone. You, that's that's not that's not counting Methodists. That's not counting the Church of God. That's not counting the charismatic flavors of the faith or anything else. I mean, look at the mess that has been created throughout church history to where there's division. The enemy has worked hard at this. Now again, the enemy works hard to divide the body of Christ. But look at, look at your own personal life. How many of your interpersonal relationships on a daily basis are assaulted and attacked? If you're married, what about your marriage? If you have kids, what about your relationship with your children? If you work at a job, what about your relationship with your coworkers? I mean, look at the gossip and the backbiting and you see all those things that go on behind the scenes. What's that creating? It's creating division. It's fomenting dissension. And then also it can create bitterness and unforgiveness. I mean, on and on and on. and go. Look at our own nation. Look at how divided our country is. Now, obviously, there is a natural division spiritually that comes between light and darkness, truth and lies. God's kingdom and the devil's kingdom. There is a separation between those two. God doesn't call us to be one with evil. But we who are in the body of Christ, God does tell us we live in union with him. We all share his same life. If you're a Pentecostal brother or a Catholic brother 
or a Greek Orthodox brother or sister, and you know Christ is your Savior, the same Christ lives in you that lives in me. We have the same life, the life of God. We share that. Now, we may disagree on points of, of, of doctrine in other areas that are non-essential to salvation, but we still share the same life, and we need to demonstrate that. It is quite interesting to me that you find many times when the church is being persecuted, how many of those walls come down? Reading stories in the past of brothers and sisters who were thrown into gulags or prison camps because of their faith and how Catholics and Protestants and Greek Orthodox and Pentecostal and non-Pentecostal were all thrown together. How all of a sudden this persecution and this jail time brought them into unity. They learned how to get along with each other. They learned how to pray together. They learned how to serve together. They learned how to minister to one another's needs. This persecution brought them there and all the things that they deemed as vital and important when there was no persecution that they spent their time focusing on that ultimately created division, dissension, and strife no longer was a big deal. It was no longer important. So understand this. One of the primary areas and schemes that the enemy has is to create division and wreak and havoc wreak havoc and to destroy your interpersonal relationships in your life. And you need the armor of God to stop that, to combat it, in order to preserve unity with one another and express the reality of our union with God to one another and before the watching world to witness that Jesus really is the Messiah. Well, I hope you'll join us again tomorrow. We're going to begin to get a little bit deeper into this, talking about the evil day that Paul speaks of why we need the armor of God, because there's a day coming that it's going to be vital and important that we are wearing it. Well, may the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be yours today in fullest measure. 